This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Matt Splained. We're going to get weird again with Matt Armitage on Matt Splained and that sounds weird in itself. Um, it's traditional to kick off with Twitter or AI. Where are we heading today, Matt? Actually, we're going to start with the Bard, uh, not Shakespeare, huh. but um, a language model. So uh, Bard is Google's answer to chat. GPT and it opened to the public last week. Uh, previously, Google has ha- uh, stated ethical concerns when it comes to releasing experimental language models to the public, but they've decided that BARD is safe for us to test. So uh, I signed up for the beta or the experiment, as Google terms it, and I was finally granted entry a couple of days ago. Now, it required uh, a bit of VPNing and uh, creating a new Gmail address uh, because I really need another email address. But Mm. um, I'm in and it's currently free while it's in this test phase. You know, it it really does seem that there's a new AI chat system launching pretty much every day. Uh, GPT-4 is integrated into the new Bing chat that a lot of people have tried already. Um, There's the Quora-linked Claude, which is uh, being widely integrated into a lot of third-party services. Um, The productivity software Notion is using a version of Claude. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a smartphone app called Poe that's um, built on it. Um, That's a a chatbot app that you can download from app stores now. Um, Baidu has just launched its Ernie bot um, in both English and Chinese, I think. And recently, uh, Microsoft integrated its DALI image generating software into its Bing chat. Uh, although it hasn't shown up in my Bing chat yet. Have you got it with, with yours so far? Um, the weird thing is, um, the Bing app on my phone has the chat bot, the Bing bot. Um, but when I try to open it up on my desktop, it's not there. Ah, for it me, it's the other me way I around. Need, ah, it keeps telling me I need to join the program. I'm like, get, you get with the program. I'm already in the program, Bing bot. Yes, I, I've been having... Um, the same issues um and it's the same with a lot of microsoft products uh you get put off by the login processes um that that don't seem to connect that have you jumping from box to box and don't integrate properly with any of the password storage apps that you've got Mm -hmm. um but no i'm I'm not going to gripe about that so rather than uh, trickle through all of these ai systems one at a time i thought i'd do more of a roundup about what they can do and what you can use them for and whether they're really worth paying for or even if you need to spend money on them Mm. at all um i'll get that done sometime over the next few weeks um i have to admit and we were discussing this before the show started I am enjoying using GPT-4. I took the plunge to pay for that. Uh, It wrote me a lovely story about a creature with a human brain and the nervous system of a housefly, because 
me. Um, and it then wrote the prompt to uh, create the accompanying image. So I'll share those on my uh, Substack. So you can go to culturepop.substack.com if you want to uh, read that. But but yeah, I mean, you were telling me about um, how you're getting on with chat GPT-4 as well. Sorry, GPT-4 with chat GPT. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've been using, uh, same as you, I, I paid good money for it. I plumbed up for it and I've been using it to up my productivity uh, for stuff like helping me when I have a, a transcription to identify parts of that transcription that it thinks um, could be a good piece of audio, uh, little things like that. So it's acting as my audience almost uh, and telling me, I like this. I think that would sound great as a soundbite. And so I've kind of been using it in that way, amongst other things. Well, I mean, you might want to check out Bard and see how it works because Bard is designed in theory to be more functional and less mm chatty um so for example i asked bard to tell me what the difference between itself and chat gpt is and it's interesting because you know we're used to the pr and product speak that we get from companies whereas yeah. the ai tools can be incredibly blunt so you know it just told me at a general level chat gpt is a chatbot so it's trained to act conversationally bard is a general purpose language model, so nothing amazing there. Then it told me a little bit about the difference in the data sets that each of the models is trained on. So GPT uses a lot of social media data, which gives it that ability to be conversational, while BARD has more of an academic and coding training, right. which results in GPT being better at responding to informal language, to slang, and to output things in that way, while Bard is actually better with formal requests and jargon. So I wonder if it will handle your requests for editing processes Aha. a little more effectively. Um, I did a, a very quick test with um, them both. I asked them both to create mid-journey prompts to create a podcast logo for Matt Splained, and Bard did a much better job. Now, the output for both was kind of awful, but at least with <laughs> Bard, it looked like a podcast logo. Um, ChatGPT just thought that an old bloke standing in front of a whiteboard was about as much as we needed to do. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, now, um, are, the, are the machine overlords then aware of this show? Well, weirdly, Bard seems to have been able to reference some material on this podcast. So no. I don't know whether it's from live or archive data. Um, it doesn't seem to have a very high opinion of what the show is. Um, it defined the show as a guy who tries to explain things to experts who then tell him that he's wrong. I mean, I know that's not massively far from reality, um, but it did at least acknowledge that the show tries to be humorous. Um, mm. But it did it in that slightly imperious way of a lord in Game of Thrones shortly before he orders your head to be removed. Right. Um, but yeah, so that, that's that's kind of that's kind of bad. Um, we'll stick with a uh, bit more AI. Um, that photo of the Pope in a puffer jacket. Yeah, and uh, there's been this proliferation of deep fakes over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so a bit of background as to why I think these stories belong in weird science. It's 
because they've dropped so hard and fast again we were discussing this just before the the, the show rich you know you, you and i we've been watching mm. the evolution of these bots in real time mm. and even six months ago it would be really hard to imagine where these tools are right now right i i, I- I honestly am astounded at how quickly things have uh, have jumped so fast in the last few months. The Pope in a puffer jacket was so convincing. You know, I genuinely had to look at it more than once and just think, no, this has to be a deep fake. And it, it really, even then I was pixel peeping, you know, just to see whether or not it was real or not. Yeah, I mean, the, the level of realism is to the point that you know we we're just not prepared um yeah. as much as we say on shows like this about you know we have to plan for what's coming the time to think about the future is always now because inevitably mm. the future drops first and we figure out how to deal with it later so we get to this point where we have you know the pope in a puffer jacket which is an almost undetectable fake now Mm. fortunately you know that's quite an innocuous image it's just the guy wearing you know as a stylish jacket there's nothing seedy salacious or steamy but it fooled so many people and i don't even think that the guy who created it with mid-journey intended to fool people you know Mm. it's just one of those images that went viral uh you know people repost it they start to add their own narratives. Mm. And that, I think, is one of the things about deep fakes. The person who creates it may not have any malicious intent, but that doesn't stop other people from hijacking that image and turning into whatever meme that they want it to do. Yeah. Uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, there were all those rumors about Donald Trump, you know, about to be arrested. And there was a flood of deep fakes of Trump being manhandled by cops, um, doing perp walks. So there is that potential there for this kind of content to be very dangerous because Mm. there's always going to be a section of internet users from all sides of the political and social spectra who are looking for reinforcement rather than truth. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think makes the Pope image especially interesting because there's no real point to it. So people had no reason to doubt it. You know, it suspends your critical response, your critical faculties, because yeah. it's just a guy in a coat. Yeah, um, yeah. Have you have you played around with this? Have you tried to create any sort of deliberate fakes? No, no, I haven't tried to create deliberate fakes, but I have had um, GPT-4 help me create prompts that are Mm, somewhat photorealistic. Um, but I have seen, as you, as you mentioned, you know, the, the Trump stuff, but the ones that were I thought were, were really, really convincing was the um, Emmanuel Macron ones, the where he was attending some of the protests in, in Paris. Um, I mean, I, fair enough, you, you could see that they were, were deep fakes because, you know, they, they didn't look perfect. But it, it was the context of the thing, you know, and how convincing it was within context which is what scared me yeah and and there's an example that i'll i'll get to in a second which which kind of mirrors that as well um i actually tried to do some of the the trump ones Mm. um but not with enough effort that um that 
basically every time I tried, I just got images of Trump wearing a New York police cap, which was funny <laughs> in its sense, uh, in itself. Um, I did try the puffer jacket one, not with the Pope. I just specified an old man wearing a silver puffer jacket on the catwalk at Milan Fashion Week. I selected my lighting. I even selected the amount of bokeh that I wanted. And uh -huh. I asked for it in the style of a famous fashion photographer. And one of the options it gave me was a dead ringer for Karl Lagerfeld. I mean, wow. the, the lighting was spectacular. You could see uh, all of the spotlights coming down on the, the catwalk. You could see the, 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 the lens flare blur from the, the lights on the thing. I mean, absolutely astonishing. Um, when I tried the same prompts, the puffer jacket prompts with Keanu Reeves, it was a bit less convincing, but one out of the four was actually very realistic looking and that could have been tweaked if i again i wasn't so lazy with the prompts um mm. it was fun uh, getting the pope and mc hammer to dance together uh thanks to a facebook friend for that particular prompt um i will put some of these up on the the sub stack but it does show that we're living in these very odd kind of post-truth times. And going back to that point you made about Emmanuel Macron, there's actually a subreddit devoted to Cascadia, which is a fictional earthquake and tsunami on the Pacific coast of North America in 2001. Um, and it's incredibly realistic. Have you seen any of them? I have not. Okay. Uh, basically, um, there are all of these images. There are wrecked boats in um, in the kind of port area. There are houses coming down. There are emergency response workers pulling people out of the, the rubble. Um, and you would not believe that it wasn't it wasn't real. And that goes back to this idea of um, uh, this being post-truth. A piece I read in The New Scientist, um, they speak to an intelligence research fellow at the University of Malta called Agnes Venema. And she makes the point that by the end of the century, it may be hard for people to know which parts of our history were real and what was created by a machine. Wow. Um, there was another piece I read in Daily Beast by a Harvard misinformation expert and researcher called Joan Donovan. Uh, she makes the point that we're now entering this age of anticipatory disinformation. We can create disinformation about things that haven't happened yet, and we don't have any systems in place to deal with these issues. Uh, on top of that, there are a lot of people who are unaware how easy it is to create these images. As I keep saying, I'm really lazy with these images. Keanu Reeves in a puffer jacket at Milan Fashion Week, and I get something that you could pass off as a, a paparazzi image. Yeah. Yeah. So you can imagine some of the scams. You can imagine people trawling so social media and pretending that, you know, they've kidnapped somebody's family member, for example. Mm. It might sound far-fetched, but we already have thousands of people every year who fall victim to scams that someone's put money into their bank account yep, by mistake yep. and they take cash out and physically send it to the thieves. You know, a lot of people are trusting. They believe what they see. They believe what they hear. And they don't understand how easy it is to fake this stuff. You know, it just costs me 10 US dollars a month to, mm -hmm. to create this stuff. Um, so we're already at the point where this this content is being produced. 
the question is now how to put the genie back in the bottle if the genie can be put back in the bottle. I mean, we said on, uh, I think, the show just last year, one of the things that blockchain could potentially do is to serve to watermark and verify content. But I think we're already beyond that point. We don't have the systems in place for blockchain to do that, but we already have the fake uh, Mm. fake content there. So who is going to actually do this who's going to put that genie back into the bottle how are we going to get it done i don't know but as you can see these are solutions that we need now they're not solutions that we need for some point in the future uh, and this is without even talking about the open letter uh, from scientists and ai researchers that's urging a halt to ai because that's something that we're going to cover in biz bites a little bit later it is. Uh, but when we come back, the power of sweat, an infinitely unrepeating bathroom tile, and smelly swimming pools. I don't pick these topics, folks. I'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back here on Matt Splained on BFM 89.9. Break from monotony, BFM FM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Matt Splained. I'm Rich Bradbury. Uh, now, what could be in store in this part of the show? The best place to survive a zombie apocalypse, perhaps? Um, I don't know. This season's best chill spaces for mosquitoes? Uh, tiles. No. No. <laughs> um, there, there, there is a, a cool interview on IFL Science about where best to sit out a zombie apocalypse, by the way. Uh, oh, the, con- <laughs> the consensus seems to be cold places, um, although they say that uh, it's likely that in a hot and humid country like Malaysia, decay and microbes would destroy zombies in a day or two. So that's kind of good news. We're not. Um, okay, then. Okay. Yeah, and, and they have another story um, about chill spaces for mosquitoes. It seems that uh, male mosquitoes are attracted to humans because it's the best place to find a mate. Because, you know, we know the males don't bite, but the females do. So the best place to find a female mosquito is near a human. So they just... Wait, hang- yeah, they're just so, hanging out and chilling till the mossy of their dreams comes along. So uh, effectively, we are acting like a dodgy Friday night out for mosquitoes. We're, we're Tinder for mosquitoes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
But, All right. But, Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Um, tiles. Now, we don't uh, often talk about interior design and decorating on the show. Um, so this is actually the news that a hobbyist has discovered a new shape that can be combined infinitely without ever repeating its pattern. Now, the shape has 13 sides. Um, it was discovered by a British guy, uh, who, uh, a retired printer, I think, who shared his findings with a team of mathematicians at the University of Arkansas. Um, the British guy, he's not, he's not a mathematician. He says he is just interested in shapes. Um, now, I love a, a good section of tiling as much as the next person but you know <laughs> the repetition does take away some of the joy you know most tiles are kind of simple shapes squares rectangles triangles or they're hexagonal um, and that gives us these nice um, often repeated patterns mm. i want a bit more chaos in the mix but finding shapes that don't repeat um, they're called einstein's by the mathematical community, not after the physicist, but because it's German for one stone. So they're looking for one stone that doesn't repeat. It's become one of those mythical feats of mathematics. Uh -huh. uh, various mathematicians and physicists have argued and presented proofs that either it is or isn't possible. Uh, this type of shape, it's known as aperiodic because it there is no period. It doesn't mm -hmm. repeat. Um, until now, the closest we'd come was finding pairs of shapes that combined together were aperiodic. Now, this shape is being called the hat because the guys who discovered it think it slightly re resembles a fedora. It doesn't. It's got 13 sides. Um, but it is very hard to describe, um, especially on a radio show, because it doesn't really look like anything else unless you know any 12-sided shapes. Well, it's kind of like that, but with an extra side. <laughs> um, other scientists have marveled at how relatively simple the shape is because a lot of people thought it would have to have many more sides in order to be aperiodic. And because it has so few sides, how it's avoided discovery for so long. So as I said, it was discovered in the UK back in November. Um, and the guy is, it's his hobby. He's just fascinated by the idea of non-repeating shapes. But once he found one, he found some more. It seems that the discovery is spawning an entire subfamily of related structures. Uh, what is happening this year? <laughs> um, okay. Um, what are researchers hoping to achieve then with this discovery? I mean, what can you do with a non-repeating tile? Well, bathroom tiles. Um, but <laughs> on, on the one side, it is actually the mathematical certainty. Um, right. And it's already led to the development of new kinds of proofs to demonstrate that a shape is aperiodic. Now, I know research like this, it can seem quite esoteric. You can already hear someone saying, why are they getting paid to research bathroom tiles? They should just get a real job. But actually, the discovery could lead to breakthroughs in material science. So repetition in crystalline structures, uh, the repetition can create points of weakness where you know the, the crystal can fracture. Um, but some crystals do demonstrate this kind of aperiodic structure. So this could help us to understand why, but also to develop materials that make use of the potential 
strengths of the shape. And of course, to make some really cool wall and floor tiles. Um, would you like some more good news? Um, absolutely. Okay. This is about uh, dieting because, you know, um, we're just going all over the place today. <laughs> uh, this is uh, This is from the new scientist. Now, a lot of people try diets and exercise regimes. They lose weight, but they pile most or all of the weight back on later. And that obviously serves as a disincentive to try again. You think, you know, why put myself through all of the misery, the deprivation, um, when I know it's not going to work and I could just sit on the couch eating my own body weight in crisps. Mate, you're talking about yourself again. Uh, I actually gave up crisps for January. Um, I did okay. I didn't lose weight though. Um, I did have some dreams about crisps um, and I have fallen back into an erratic on-off pattern with them again because I love them. Um, but new research suggests that, um, that, that losing that weight, it's not a waste of time even when the results don't take. Um, it shows that losing the weight provides health protections against uh, conditions like heart disease and type 2 diabetes, even when the weight comes back. So researchers at the University of Oxford collected data on more than 60,000 people who took part in weight management programs. Uh, as a result of the programs, they saw significant reductions in cholesterol, blood sugar levels, blood pressure, you know, all the things you'd expect. But around half of the people taking part in the studies would regain the weight over the next five years. Mm. However, the Oxford team found that many of the half that regained the weight had lower cholesterol, blood sugar levels, and blood pressure than they had before the start of the weight management program. So even five years later, they were still living the benefits of the weight loss from five years before. Now, the previous studies didn't specifically control for diabetes and heart disease during those periods. So how much effect it has, we don't know. But it's likely that the reduction in risk factors, you know, you've got that reduction in risk factors, so that also leads to a reduction in harmful outcomes. Uh, so they do need to do more research uh, there to show how direct a link there is. But it does suggest that it's never a waste of time to try and lose weight and not to lapse into that kind of self-loathing if you stumble and the weight doesn't stay off. Um, what are you going to do? Well, get back to me in five years' time. Um, <laughs> really, what science ought to be doing is inventing a health beneficial salt and vinegar crisp. Um, yes. If can, yeah. If they can come up with one that contains all my dietary needs, then I will be the world's happiest camper. Um, tell me, Richard, how do you know uh -huh. when someone is lying to you? Oh, um, I don't think it's possible to do it 100%, but uh, generally I would look for things like body language, uh, avoidance of eye contact, you know, all the usual things you hear about on dodgy podcasts and 1980s <laughs> movies. <laughs> well, that that is the problem. I mean, we've heard all these kind of scientific and pseudoscientific things theories to identify when someone is lying as you said mm. you know it could be tells like in mm. poker it could be body language micro expressions um heart rate um you know even hormonal changes but we still as you said 
don't have any infallible techniques. So this is uh, from IFL Science again. This is a new paper from the University of Amsterdam titled The Lie Lab, which suggests that the most effective way is actually one of the simplest. Just listen. Now, this is something we've come back to a few times on the show. Um, listening is actually a skill. It's one of the things that I stress with clients. Teaching your teams to listen effectively can have a massive effect on productivity and work culture. And it's certainly a lot cheaper than commissioning, you know, new management techniques or new productivity solutions, especially if poor information and communication are, are at the heart of your problems. It's a human fix you need rather than a technical one. But listening is hard. And I'm not being facetious. It really is. It can be exhausting mm. to mm. sit there and listen and process information in real time, a bit like this show. Mm. Um, so the, the question here is, when you're detecting lies, what is it that you're actually listening for? Um, who was it who said, um, me thinks she protesteth too much? Um, essentially... Uh, over, over description, I would imagine, like just just too much too much information. Actually, the opposite, and we'll get to we'll get to that. <laughs> so the the research team split protagonists into two groups: guilty and innocent. Uh, individuals in the guilty group had to steal an exam paper and were told to lie about it when interviewed. Those in the innocent group were told to spend time around campus. Now, the test subjects then had to describe, uh, decide rather who was innocent or guilty based on handwritten accounts, video transcripts, video interviews, and live interviews. Um, so you said too much description. Uh, a lot of people might assume um, as well that you should be looking for multiple cues um, to see how, for example, how convincing someone is, um, look for the tone of their voice, the level of confidence that that they exude. So in studies where the subjects were told to examine multiple cues, they were accurate around 59% of the time. However, when they were told to concentrate on a single factor, the accuracy rose to 66%. Mm. And, and that single factor was detail. Um, the people who were innocent tended to give more detailed accounts because they weren't hiding anything. They're not trying to disguise a lie. Whereas those in the guilty groups would be scant on the details, they might be inconsistent in the details, or, um, as you mentioned, be tempted to be inventive. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, as the paper is uh, actually subtitled, the devil is in the detail. So if you're going to lie, you've got to be a really good and detailed liar. I'm never sure what kind of message you're sending to people, you know, on this show. There's no message. If I have a core fundamental message, it's that there is no message. You know, I'm I'm not a time capsule. I'm a future missile. Uh, you only find the truth at the uh, the end of the journey, but the uh, the journey to the future never ends. Well, that really does sound like something Freddie Mercury would have written. Uh, that's, but it does sound like a message, Matt. You know, if, if I'm being honest, and uh, nothing against Freddie Mercury, it's complete drivel. Um, so I'll talk about um, uh, swimming pools instead. This is sure. another IFL science story. Um, have you? ever you know have you ever had that thing you've gone to a swimming pool and it smells like there's too much chlorine in the water yeah of course yeah 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 um and i'm worried where you're gonna go with this but 
anyway, please please go ahead. Well, slightly uh, counterintuitively, that smell is probably a sign that there isn't enough chlorine, mm-hmm. or rather that there's too much sweat, body oil, and urine from yes. the people who've been oh. using the pool. Uh, apparently, a well chlorinated pool doesn't have a particularly strong chemical odor if it's properly ventilated. Mm. Uh, According to the American Chemistry Council, the ammonia smell comes from uh, dichloramine and trichloramine, which are compounds that are formed when the chlorine breaks down all of the noxious human stuff it finds in the water. So if you smell a strong chlorine smell around a pool, you're correct in your assumption that you shouldn't get in, but not because your skin's going to float off into a chlorine soup, but because you really don't want to be in that human soup. Now, why did you feel the need to tell us that? Because, obviously in that story, sweat is bad, um... But sweat could be at the heart of alleviating social anxiety. So this is actually a story from The Guardian. Uh, This is new research from Sweden's Karolinska Institute that suggests that mindfulness therapies for social anxiety are actually more effective when combined with exposure to odors from other people's sweat. Now, obviously, uh, this story has a bit of a yuck factor. I get that. You Um, don't say. (laughs) But when we sweat, we're releasing chemical signals that indicate our state of mind, our emotional sense, uh, our emotional state rather. And these chemo signals create response in other people. Um, The earliest story about lying, for example, you know, one of the signals people look for erroneously, probably, as that story points out, is is the person sweating. You know, it's something that has become a cliche in police procedurals. Let's leave the suspect in the cell or the interview room to sweat. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm actually even asking this question. What kind of sweat did they use for the study? Uh, and, and what emotional state did they want the donors to be in? In the context of this story, it's not even a weird question. Um, the, the researchers wanted to see if the emotional state of the donors had any outcome on the results. So they mm. took samples while people were watching movie clips. They were shown comedies. They were shown like romantic comedies. They were shown horror movies. So they wanted them in states, you know, happiness, sad, scared, that kind of thing. Uh, the research was carried out with 48 women, all with um, issues with social anxiety. They underwent uh, underwent two days of mindfulness treatment. Uh, Some were exposed to the sweat samples. Some were exposed to clean air. And the results were actually quite profound. The patients who underwent a single session while exposed to sweat showed a 39% reduction in their anxiety scores after the session. For the group exposed Ah. only to air during the therapy, It was only 17%. Um, But going back to that earlier point about the kind of sweat, the researchers were actually surprised to find that it made no difference. It made no difference if the sweat came from somebody who was happy or sad or scared. So they're currently hypothesizing that it's simply the chemical signal that another person is present that leads to this effect. Uh, They will be looking at ways to confirm that in future studies. But yeah, so the the next time you're on public transport and cursing your luck because someone in the carriage has body odour issues, it could be reducing someone else's social anxiety. Well, the more you know, eh, Matt? 
Indeed, the more you know. The more you know. Great show today. The less happy you are. The less happy you are. That is true. Right. Uh, Thank you very much for today's show. Of course, if you did miss any part of this, you can uh, download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. We recommend using the BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play, of course. Or you can subscribe to Matt's Substack, which is... Culturepop.substack.com. There you go. We'll be back. There's more stuff coming up. Stick around, of course. Matt will be with us a little bit later on for Enterprise Biz Bites. Uh, you have been tuned in to Matt Splained here on BFM 89.9. been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.